1: Not only do you upgrade to FAIR, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who's been trying to socially distance myself from tech bros for years, and now finally I have an excuse. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, I am thrilled to be joined remotely from California by Dr. Deepak Chopra, the best-selling author. He's the host of two podcasts. One is called Daily Breath, and the other is called Infinite Potential. And his most recent book is called Metahuman, Unleashing Your Infinite Potential. We were supposed to have this conversation live at South by Southwest this year, and I'm so thrilled that he agreed to do it on the podcast instead, and also remotely. Uh, we're doing this because obviously the coronavirus crisis. Deepak, welcome to Rico Deco.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
2: So there's so much we have to talk about. I, I, think, I think I just sort of like to launch into the current situation and how you're coping with it and how you're trying to uh, talk to people about coping with this. I'd just love to get your thoughts on where we are as a nation and what needs to happen.
3: I think uh, everything that needs to happen uh, in terms of prevention and transmission is happening, uh, albeit slowly, but we all know what to do. Isolate ourselves uh, physically, not socially necessarily. Physical distancing, washing hands, good hygiene. So I think we all know everything about that and we are all trying our best to follow those instructions. I think what is not being addressed uh, right now is the pandemic of extreme fear, uh, perception of helplessness, panic and stress. And what is not being addressed is that this pandemic does not, the pandemic of panic does not respect uh, social, physical distancing. And it is much more dangerous because uh, stress and helplessness and panic also create irrational behavior, but they also turn our biology into chaos. You know, you increase your cortisol levels, which compromises your immune system, which uh, has an antagonistic effect on other hormones. You increase um, adrenaline, inflammation in the body, The compromising of the immune system actually makes you more susceptible to all kinds of infections. It's not being addressed. We need to actually also address how emotions can both disrupt our biology, but also enhance our biological capacity for healing.
2: And so, you know, this is something we don't address in most lives, and we're going to get into more details um, later, but let's focusing on coronavirus. There's two things going on. One is social distancing, which also creates lack of community, which also creates mental distress, I think. Um, And then how we did it before, because in a lot of ways, there wasn't a a community feel to our country as much as there have been in the past. Um, And that's been an issue of distancing. And we'll get into the issues around tech later um, and how you're interacting with the tech industry. But what has to happen then if this is the case, especially because this is not something we're used to doing?
3: We have to address what enhances our capacity for healing, and that includes simple things like uh, good sleep, managing stress through whatever way you like to, whether it's music or poetry or dance or uh, meditation or mindful awareness, uh, nutrition, uh, which is very important, uh, relationships. We can actually increase intimacy of relationship right now through, through uh, technology. I think I'm spending more intimate time with my family, even when they're not now with me physically. So there are many ways we can enhance our capacity and resist illness. You know, we have to recognize that there are two factors going on here. There's a pathogen and there's a host. And the more we can do to enhance the resistance of the host to the pathogen, The better off we'll be, and this includes very simply sleep, meditation, movement, exercise, diet, relationships, and emotions.
2: So, what about the people who are trying to? um, You know, there was a great story, in, I think it was the Washington Post today about people who are just denying that it's happening. This is happening. I mean, I think this is unprecedented in terms of keeping people at home, keeping people away from work and their daily lives how do you then begin to work as a country as a whole when that when there's this sort of there was already a partisan divide people were exhausted with each other in many ways um, and there is there's sort of a level of disconnection that had been
3: happening well even this pandemic was uh, in denial by the highest levels of our government mm-hmm. in the beginning only now they're not denying the seriousness of this pandemic. Uh, That comes from the highest levels of the U.S. government. We have been in denial about uh, climate change. We've been in denial about the destruction of our ecosystem. We've been in denial about the interdependence of our financial institutions. And now we see that there is an entanglement between how we behave, how we think, how we feel, how we communicate, our financial institutions our personal relationships, our professional engagements, our environment, and the ecosystem are one holistic activity, and this crisis is showing us that. And unless we address this in its wholeness, uh, we're going to repeat these mistakes. You know, we've had epidemics forever, we've had wars forever, and we've have mechanized uh, death forever, and we don't learn our lesson. So I think we have to wake up and say, are we actually in denial of the very existence that makes us possible to breathe and eat and communicate with each other? Mm
2: -hmm. And where does that come from? Where do you imagine that comes from? Again, I want to get into talking about technology and how it separates and brings us together in this case.
3: Ultimately, it comes from humans and their uh, need for self-importance and their ego gratification. And it actually, unfortunately, comes from leaders who, become, who are basically thugs and gangsters. And they're only engaged in uh, influence peddling, cronyism, corruption, bureaucracy and, um, and their own power mongering. And, uh, and, you know, we have elected most of these leaders. So it comes from us. Right. It
2: comes because we voted them. Now in your, uh, I think it was the book, The Seven Laws of Spiritual Success. It was really interesting. It was pointed out to me, of all people, a friend of mine, Jennifer Beals, I think you might know her. She, she said you changed her life, which was interesting. Um, I was surprised. So I didn't know that. Um, But she she just wrote me, he's so astute that he threw in the word success uh, so that type A Westerners would sit up and pay attention. There's no success to spirituality. It is always, you have only to look. It is about connecting to the source, which is uh, really what we do when we help one another. And so she, that was an interesting insight that she had, was this idea of getting Yeah, people- yeah,
3: but I, I was careful to define success as the progressive realization of worthy goals, the ability to love and have compassion, and to get in touch of, with the source of all creativity, which is your own consciousness.
2: Right, and one of the things was this idea of a singular karma, which is how all our karmas are intertwined, um, and how wellness, in this case, our, our, karma. You, you can call it what you want, our community, our karma, whatever it is, but our wellness is related to each other's here in terms of if you go out, you can make people sick if you go out in the wrong way and what your connection to the social contract is.
3: Yes, everything that I feel, I perceive, and how I behave affects you and everything that you think, feel, behave, and perceive affects me. And right now, even more so because the internet... And social media is our collective brain at the moment. The human condition is there on the internet, divine and diabolical, sacred and profane. So, um, yes, we're now more inseparably interdependent, interconnected than ever before. And, you know, ultimately, personal behavior is, for most people, uh, other than those who are uh, free to make their choices or feel that they are free to make their choices. Personal behavior in most uh, people is, is like a bundle of conditioned reflexes and responses and they are dependent on cultural behavior and collective behavior. So even our thoughts are not original. Most of them are recycled through through the ecosystem of, uh, of media, news networks, uh, social engagement, etc. So ultimately, it is the cultural collective consciousness that influences individuals' perceptions, threats, feelings, behaviors, etc.
2: So then, how can factions come together to fight? Say this: This is an existential threat. Um, it, or, in the case of the U.S. government, it's like someone with an autoimmune disease whose body attacks itself and never gets well, and never is able to rid itself of disease because it depletes itself with its own self harm essentially how do you get those factions together when you have an existential threat like a virus it could be war you're right it could be anything that's an existent or climate change
3: right now uh, yeah the existential threat is not just america right now it's, uh, it's a globe it's a global existential threat and sometimes uh, situations like that although something this serious at least has not happened in my lifetime other than, say, after my, you know, the big wars, World War II and the Vietnam and all these wars. But this kind of global situation where the threat is almost to uh, everyone, irrespective of national or ethnic or religious or cultural boundaries, uh, if this doesn't bring us together, then uh, we deserve whatever happens.
2: So how would you see it bringing us apart? What are the elements that would bring us further apart? Because you would say this world is very far apart at this moment in history.
3: I think uh, if we start blaming anyone, uh, that could uh, uh, definitely bring us apart. So I think we have to go beyond the blame game because we also, you know, it's in the deeper reality, you have to realize that linear cause-effect relationships uh, actually, are uh, uh, created by the human mind. Uh, there's no single cause uh, for anything. Uh, there's a multifactorial causes for every situation, every circumstance, everything that happens. And when we recognize that, then we stop uh, playing the blame game and say, even get rid of the metaphors of violence that we have. We have these. Metaphors, war on drugs, war on violence, war on war, war on poverty, war on uh, the now the infection.
2: Yeah, and actually. President Trump used the term war. A lot of people are using the term war with this illness.
3: Yeah, I think we should use the word creative solutions. And I mean, there's enough human creativity right now at work that I'm seeing some very good news on the horizon, including, you know, new ways of tackling this virus, uh, maybe a vaccine, maybe other pharmaceuticals that are already existing, et cetera. So we need creative solutions. We need to know the facts and separate them from fiction. We need to go beyond the melodrama and engage in how can we collectively come up with creative solutions, but also collectively not be overwhelmed by fear. We need we have two nervous systems in our body competing with each other. Right now, the sympathetic nervous system is uh, dominating. It's on overdrive, which means We're all in fight-flight mode, and uh, and that's disrupting our biology. But there's another system in our body called the parasympathetic nervous system, which gets activated when you take uh, a deep breath. Uh, As simple as that, if you reduce your breathing rate from 14 to 8, you activate the vagal nerve, which uh, changes your heart rate variability. You become more flexible, more resilient, more calm, more creative more centered, and then you can act in a manner that is more rational rather than more coming from the dominant mode. So we need all these strategies to improve our collective well-being, stop blaming anyone, and see how we can come together as a humanity on this issue. And if we can come on this issue, we can also see, that our existential threats are from many areas right now, instruments of mechanized death, nuclear bombs, biological warfare, internet hacking, interference with democracies, interference with the food chain, and on and on and on. This is the limit to which human capacity for destruction can go and if we don't yeah. learn our lesson now, <laughs> then then we won't you're, learn it. You're, then we
2: Deepak, you're, you're freaking me out with that list. No, that list just no, I I, I I understand that it's systemic. I get the systemic yeah, but
3: wow, the, thank you for why stay in denial right till mm-hmm. the moment of the apocalypse? You know, the last extinction was 65 million years ago, and it was due to a meteorite that fell on Earth in one hour. One hour, the dominant life on this planet, dinosaurs, disappeared. And uh, if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, We are uh, a gift of that extinction. So, you know, uh, they say, biologists and those who understand ecology say, if insects disappeared from our planet, all life on this planet would stop, cease in five years. If humans disappeared from this planet, all life on this planet would flourish in five years. So who's the predator? Who's the cancer? who's the, who's the destroyer right now? We have to be we have to use our creativity right now to uplift the human race and use this pandemic as the tipping point for our collective transformation. And that's where, by the way, technology can help. But if you don't do it, then we deserve what we get.
2: All right. I'm going to talk about technology in the next section. because you're doing some really interesting things like digital DPAC. But in this case, how in coronavirus, how are you helping people specifically? And then we'll get to the next section.
3: Uh, I post every day on social media advice on uh, stress management, on sleep, on emotions, on social engagement, on nutrition, on relationships and on everything that is sensible that we can do at this moment. And I also try uh, my best to reassure people that if they stayed calm and centered and creative and engage in simple things with their families and friends, like attention, deep listening, affection, deep caring, appreciation, noticing with gratitude the, the gifts they bring to your relationship, and acceptance, not trying to change anybody other than yourself, we can go a long way.
2: So of the, of the many things you just talked about, what do you think is most important? What, what did you talk about today, for example, with the, just now New York has decided to do even deeper um, stay at home provisions. They don't want to call it shelter in place because it feels like a shooter drill apparently, but it is stay home, don't move. What is the, if, if everyone's getting this news in California. They did it yesterday and in New York now. Uh, big areas of population, what would be the most important thing, first thing to do?
3: So the first, four, the four things I'm emphasizing, um, if you're staying home, to maximize your experience of a joyful, energetic body, whether that's uh, through exercise, yoga, deep breathing, good sleep, to maximize the experience of love and compassion in your heart with your friends, family, uh, also to be willing to engage in love and action in no matter what way you can, even financial contributions to food kitchens and to indigent people or those who are in need, um, to maximize um, a clarity of mind and have a calm, reflective, alert, sober mind, and something which might seem banal, but maximize the experience of unprovoked joy, through gratitude for existence. I mean, even in the midst of everything that's happening, if you were grateful for what you have right now and where you are in your life right now, just experiencing gratitude brings down inflammation in the body, calms the mind, and enhances self-regulation and homeostasis in the body.
2: Yeah, oh, but people could do that. It seems like the news gets to you very deeply when you see it all the time. We're gonna talk about that next um, and how technology impacts all of this. We're here with Deepak Chopra. We're gonna take a quick break now. We'll be back after this.
0: Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial.
1: If you're an early adopter, you get that your devices and your connections need to be fast and help make your life better. But you might be forgetting one thing. Tech should be fair too. Fairness isn't a new idea. But it is to wireless. That's where U.S. Cellular comes in. At U.S. Cellular, people come first. And that means a fast, reliable connection with no hidden requirements and no activation fees. They'll even pay you back for unused data. When you upgrade to U.S. Cellular, you upgrade to FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: We're here with Deepak Chopra. We're talking about a range of things. I do want to talk about technologies. Obviously, I talk, have a lot of technology fans here and science. Um, talk a little bit about your entry into tech um, and how Silicon Valley has received you. First of all, you're doing an AI twin called Digital Deepak, a new project on AR, and you're creating a master algorithm to modulate consciousness. These are fascinating, and <laughs> this is really fascinating. Talk a little about each of those things. Let's talk about uh, Digital Deepak first.
3: So Digital Deepak is uh, an AI, it's a bot, and uh, it has read all of my 90 books, uh, read all of the thousands of articles I've done, watched all my videos, my audios, listened to them, and so has access to my personal library, but also the libraries of people that I engage with. So it has a wealth of knowledge that uh, it can access immediately, and it can answer a question that you have in the area of uh, mind-body medicine, integrative medicine, consciousness, emotions, perceptions, thoughts, feelings, uh, images, you know, the, the modifications of consciousness that we call experience. Now, because of recent technologies, uh, like um, the ability to uh, look at facial microexpressions or eye movements or uh, or gestures or uh, body language in general, uh, and the ability to look at that and correlate that with heart rate variability, which is a measure of resilience or stress, and correlate that with uh, breathing, correlate that with skin resistance, and ultimately, theoretically, correlate that with epigenetic activity and neuroplasticity and inflammatory markers, what you can do is by actually taking what I would call in the future, a wealthy instead of a selfie, (laughs) a a video wealthy, uh, you should be able to tell. And by the way, I have the prototype with me right now. It's just, I can't share it but I can take a wealthy and immediately tell you your stress level, your blood pressure, your heart rate variability, your biological age, uh, perhaps inflammation in your body or lack thereof, and point to certain risk factors and certain interventions right on the spot. So the future will be the coming together of artificial intelligence, Um, deep learning systems, neuroplasticity, epigenetics, biological markers and biometrics, and then interventions of lifestyle or even other uh, interventions, pharmaceutical interventions, based on what is being detected live at this moment as experience. Because there's no experience that's not recorded in your brain, that doesn't have an effect on your biology and soon is not measurable.
2: So this idea of this wealthy, so it would be a photograph or video
3: or? It, it would be a video for say, 30 seconds.
2: Mm-hmm. So that could tell all these things. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot going on with you wearing devices and your heart rate yes. and knowing if you have heart attacks. So it's that in that genre.
3: Yeah, it's just an expansion and an elaboration of correlating different algorithms because ultimately, everything in your body is correlated with everything else.
2: And giving messages. And, and giving messages. messages,
3: yes. Yeah. And so you're getting messages from your body to your brain, your brain to your body. And both these are then computed, understood, interpreted in consciousness and all of that is measurable.
2: All right. So in that, doing that, you're talking about facial recognition, really. It's a positive thing from because most people are terrified.
3: Facial micro expression in real time. Mm -hmm. So you can even detect the pulsation of the uh, vessels.
2: Right, right. Some people are worried about this. The idea that you would do job interviews. You know, one of the things they were worried about is there was a a facial recognition technology that would compare you to their most successful employees. And if you didn't pass, their test, you don't get the job. I mean, so people are nervous about facial recognition.
3: They should be any time there's a new technology. uh, You know, it has both uh, uh, benefits, but also potential hazards. There is no technology that doesn't have a potential hazard. I can use my iPhone to, I don't want to give you ideas, but if I know enough about this, you can interfere with the nuclear reactor, poison the food chain, cut off electricity, interfere with air traffic signals. So, you know, every technology has disadvantages. But one thing with AI that's happening, particularly with my AI, is we are building into it algorithms that prevent any use that is unethical.
2: All right, so when, you, when you're when you doing that, I, I'm gonna get into AR in a minute, but when you're doing that, um, is there any one indication that is more than others? Is it little facial expressions, is inflammation? Is there one thing that really does? Because sh- people have been talking about reading people's faces forever, right? Forever, it, from, yes. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah the, the most reliable measurement of whether you're stressed or not right now is something called heart rate variability. So if you're stressed, there is very little variation between each, the interval between heartbeats. It's like an army going to war, you know, boom. Boom, boom. If you're resilient and adaptable and flexible and spontaneous and not resistant in your moment to moment interactions with the world, your heart rate variability goes up. So it's a very good measure of how you're feeling. If somebody has an argument with their uh, spouse or with their children, heart rate variability will show that. If you haven't slept at night, uh, it'll show that. If you are even thinking of Smoking a cigarette, it will show that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once you start correlating these different measures, so what I'm looking right now is not only facial expressions, but breathing rate and the regularity of breathing, heart rate variability, and then going from there to everything that is possibly measurable, including in the near future, biometrics that include blood pressure and even metrics that evaluate your biological age that look at epigenetic activity, brain activity, and so on. And these technologies are moving very fast, by the way, and they're collaborative. So there's not one institution that is doing all of the above.
2: Have you been working with, say, Apple and others about this? Because they're collecting, and there's tons of cancer uh, sites. I I did
3: work originally once with Apple on their breathing app, but right now I'm working with Verizon and the Artificial Intelligence Foundation to see how we can create these master algorithms and work, working with startups that are engaged in what we call immersive dreamscapes uh, and also with uh, um, augmented uh, reality. You know, uh, So yes, I'm talking with several companies
2: when you say master algorithm, what is that? It sounds a little frightening, honestly, Deepak. <laughs> What's a master algorithm? Is that the answer to the meaning of life? You're finally going to find the a meaning of life? A master
3: algorithm um, that could be useful is one that correlates every biological function with every biological other biological functions. So that's what I mean right now, because your biological functions are entangled. Your heart rate, your digestion, your sleep-wake cycles, your dreams, your moods, your nutrition, your social engagement, your personal relationships, your emotions, they're all entangled with each other. And they're all correlated with each other. They They have to be, otherwise your body would fall apart. You know, a human body can think thoughts play a piano, kill germs, remove toxins, make a baby, all at the same time. And uh, uh, while a human body can do that, it also tracks the movement of stars and planets because your biological rhythms are actually circadian and seasonal rhythms that are the symphony of the universe. So your body is actually in microcosm correlating all experience. And if we can measure that and correlate that, that requires mathematical algorithms. And mathematics is the language, it seems, of nature, where everything is correlated with everything else. Uh, in, in, in physics, and, you know, I'm, I, I might be accused uh, by scientists sometime of uh, stealing their terms, but uh, there's a phenomenon at the fundamental level of nature called quantum entanglement, But what I'm saying is here, everything is entangled with everything. Your emotions are entangled, sensations, images, perceptions, thoughts, feelings, biological responses. They all can be seen as non-locally correlated with each other. I hope I'm making sense.
2: No, that makes sense. So
3: what you do is create algorithms that look at other algorithms and see the correlations. You see the body is full of feedback loops. Everything is a feedback loop. Hormones, immune function, even moods, everything is a feedback loop. So once you understand these feedback loops that are occurring in the body and how they are correlated with each other feedback loops, there's uh, mathematics that can be employed to understand the body a, and how it functions holistically.
2: When you have all these this data points, because everything's data, and one of the complaints about these, you know, every every single utterance is data in some fashion. And one of the worries that people have, of course, and I hate to bring this up, but when you have these larger companies having all this data, to be able to then have body data, you know, not just health data, but this is, you're talking about something else. It's mind data. Um, it does, you know, eventually becomes possibly worrisome for for the idea that you can be you know reduced in this way now i I understand the good parts of it like you were talking about is that you can be healthier they can give you instructions on how to uh, to be more joyful or to be you know all kinds of if you understand what's happening in your body you can deal with it a lot better than than not but what is what from your perspective what do you put in place to protect that
3: you can actually put in place several things to protect that, and you can also uh, decide what you want to protect and what you want don't want to protect. But also, I think it requires a little bit of a cultural shift in that uh, there are societies and even people in this country, the younger people that I engage with, who are more than more than willing, in in fact, even enthusiastic about donating all their data if it helps other people. And right now, I can tell you that data donation is much more valuable than organ donation. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, much more valuable for the development of drugs. For the I never dev- thought of it
2: that way. For I've the development
3: of drugs, for the development mm-hmm. of pharmaceuticals, for the development of new technologies, even for the development of healing interventions. I can guarantee you that in five years you go to see a physician. First of all, you may not have to go to him. You can consult him or her through telemedicine. But instead of getting a prescription, you might get a VR session to reduce inflammation in the body. And, you know, for a 15-minute VR session. The more data we have, the more we'll be able to help people. And there are people, and actually there are communities that I engage with, one in Florida, it's called Lake Nona. It's a well-being community where there are a thousand citizen scientists who are donating their data and that of their children from birth to death in order to help other people.
2: And and when you're talking about the going to a doctor, so you would have a video session, this is sort of in the AR VR area, yes, correct? Yes, yes. So explain that.
3: Well, right now, you know, if I have a rash or I have a skin eruption, I can consult a dermatologist, the way you and I are speaking, and the dermatologist can uh, email a prescription and the prescription will be soon delivered by a automated uh, drone mm-hmm. to your house right. so that right. that's the future of uh, yeah. healthcare so
2: that's medicine medicine but what if what if this idea of using vr to calm yourself down or ar to you know to use these technologies to to affect your brain so obviously people are using meditation apps now quite a bit that's sort of the only thing that's emerged no, in you, this meditation you, with
3: these new algorithms you will be able to see the I I can already, and I'm sure many people who are listening to this conversation, maybe yourself, I can monitor my sleep, I can monitor my dream stage, light sleep, deep sleep, correlate that with restlessness, energy, enhancement or creativity. Ultimately, all this is correlated, and I can get instant feedback on what happened that I should change uh, right now, to bring my heart rate uh, down or to bring my blood pressure down you could take i could give you for example a technique to uh, slow down your breath and uh, hum a sound and watch your heart rate go down as you are mm-hmm. doing the practice on your handheld device
2: right they have been like the things that have been popular is one is these nutrition apps, which tell you you know you record Correct. food, of course, there's the meditation apps. They are- they're all what's really interesting is they're not uh, they're not systemic. And one of the things I was talking to someone years ago I was at Apple or somewhere and I said, you know what I'd like? I'd like ha- to have eaten something. And like, or go, putting my hand near a donut or something. And the app says, no, this is what's going to happen if you do this. It'll happen and, it happens, or, 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 or you eat the donut and said, you know why you feel that way? This is why you feel that it's, way. Because you ate that donut and put down. The...
3: It's going to come. It's going to come to that.
2: And in terms of that mind-body connection, it hasn't been bridged. It's been done in this sort of, we're going to record your steps. Uh, we're going to make you meditate. It doesn't seem to link up with each it other. Does, and that's it
3: my... doesn't because we always have these... Uh, uh, polarities, mind and body, where body-mind is one activity, just like space-time is one activity, mass-energy is one activity, wave-particle is one activity, we have to understand that body-mind is a single activity in consciousness. And once we understand that, then we don't even make these distinctions.
2: Right. And and when you're talking about, give me an idea of what you would look at in VR. What would what would that experience, or AR, what would an AR experience versus a VR experience be? Give me two examples you're thinking
3: okay, about. Okay, so... Uh, That's
2: augment for those who are not talking, augmented reality and virtual reality. So
3: I created a VR experience, which, if you put the headset on, gave you the experience uh, that the Buddha had uh, under... his tree of enlightenment, in 18 minutes, I was able to give people an experience through VR of what he experienced as he was sitting under the tree. You know, people say, "What, what was the great mystery of the Buddha? You know, why did he get enlightened under a tree? Because at some point he realized that the tree represented all of life. And later when he was asked, what is that tree? He said, it's rainbows and sunshine and earth and water and wind and air. It's the infinite void. It's the stars and galaxies. It's the uh, flora, the fauna, the ecosystem of existence, all in that tree. And so in reality, Buddha was the first ecologist. He had the experience of expanded awareness and inseparability. So through VR, I was actually able to uh, visually give people through sound and music and visually they were immersed as if they were in that environment now augmented reality can go even further because you can participate in the experience that you're embedded in and you can also influence the experience so if somebody has say for example uh, uh, burns uh, uh, you can put create an augmented reality immersive experience where they are uh, in snow, and immediately the, uh, the pain that accompanies the burn will go down. OK, that's a good example of um, augmented reality, immersive engagement in uh, augmented reality affecting the treatment of burns, but theoretically, the treatment of eating disorders, of anorexia, of bulimia, even autism, because autism kids have uh, facial expressions that are not quite, you know, engaging with you. But you can give them feedback through immersive, um, uh, augmented reality through AR that actually ha- have them see their face as it would be in a normal social engagement, and that alters the neural networks. So we are, we can use both VR and AR for feedback, both biological feedback, emotional feedback, and psychological feedback. And ultimately that alters the landscape of your biology.
2: How you're doing, this is fascinating. We're here with Deepak uh, Chopra. We're talking about technology. He's turned out he's a bigger geek than I realized. Uh, When we get back, I want to talk about how he's been received in Silicon Valley and his thoughts on biohacking, living forever, and a bunch of things that Silicon Valley is doing uh, right now or moving into uh, in the future. We're here with Deepak Chopra. We're talking about a lot of stuff he's doing related to tech and his sort of mind-body um, stuff he talked about in the past and using technology to facilitate it and make it even more, uh, more impactful to people. How is your relationship with people in Silicon Valley? When you come there, do they go, oh, you know, they're so engineering mentality. Is there something that, is, that, that they don't like about you or they've been receiving you well?
3: In the last uh, few years, I've been very well received uh, at Google and Facebook and Apple and um, all the Silicon Valley uh, uh, outfits, uh, uh, LinkedIn. So, last few years, very good reception. But what I'm doing on my own right now is I'm asking people who are experts in Silicon Valley in these areas to come together as a collaborative, which I actually create a WhatsApp uh, group for brainstorming uh, with all these different experts in technology. And what I'm suggesting is that we bring in our expertise, our technology expertise, but also bring in experts from the humanities, from culture, from art, from music, from storytelling. If you bring them all together, can we ultimately uh, create a platform of collaborative technologies that can shoot for the highest, create a more peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier and joyful world. Because that should be our goal, ultimately, how our personal and social transformation affects the planet. So uh, interestingly enough, when I offer these invitations to Silicon Valley experts and even CEOs, uh, they join the WhatsApp group. In fact, we just finished a WhatsApp discussion this morning And there were people from AR, from VR, from holography, from um, heart rate variability. There were yogis who are doing VR programs on yoga, et cetera, et cetera. And this
2: is through WhatsApp. How do they, do they have a group? It's a group WhatsApp where everybody's talking.
3: It's a group WhatsApp. It's using technology to brainstorm. And every week we share what we have learned in our area to help people in other areas. We're even actually talking about designing a home where as soon as you enter the home, everything is passively uh, uh, monitored and also adjusted. So you have both biological and environmental sustainability uh, being taken care of at the same time. You can't have biological sustainability in the absence of environmental sustainability and and vice versa.
2: What about some of the statistics that show that people, right now, these devices, which you're using, you're using WhatsApp, what, you use YouTube, what else do you use to do this?
3: I use WhatsApp. Uh, for social media, I use everything, but I you know actually only engage once a day with social media and then I parcel it out, edit it, etc. Somebody does it for me. And then it goes to, say, 15, 20 million people every day. But I personally spend only 20 minutes doing it.
2: Right. So t- th- th- there's so many statistics out I think There'll be one the future of the impact on young people, depression, anxiety. Um, one could say all this coronavirus information, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss in some ways, um, even though it isn't. Um, but the, the, uh, there, there's very clear s- indications that this is mentally debilitating to young people, particularly women, girls. Um, How do you change that equation when we're thinking about having these more integrated into our lives to do the good things you're talking about?
3: Well, uh, first thing to recognize is that um, technology is part of human evolution. And uh, therefore, uh, like uh, anything that is part of our existence, we can't be in denial that it's not going to go away. It's here. So the next question is, how do we use it? We can use it for diabolical and destructive purposes. We can use it to bring people together. Now, as an example, you mentioned mental illness and uh, uh, and depression, particularly in young children. And it is a fact that uh, uh, suicide is the number two cause of death in uh, young people between the ages of 10 and 30. Uh, after uh, accident, suicide is the second most cause, common cause of death in teenagers. Now, that is a worldwide pandemic. Every 40 seconds, somebody dies of suicide in the world. So we created, our foundation created a site, an um, internet uh, site, called I Am Never Alone, neveralone.org, where teenagers and others come together with their stories of recovery, with their stories of inspiration, where we actually create communities for engaging in best practices for mental hygiene and physical hygiene. And, you know, we announced that less than a couple of months ago, and it's built up to thousands of people participating in Never Alone uh, in this whole campaign. And it's only going to, Get better, so I think that's a good use of social media and technology if we can prevent and curb suicide.
2: Right, right, absolutely. So, but but in general, these these are designed, and you know Tristan Harris has talked about that. Many others about that they're designed for an attention. Uh, sort of a twitchy attention-getting, that they're that, that, that the devices are yeah, made like
3: we, that and that they... they... Yeah, we, we we live in a culture of narcissism and our leaders yeah, are the best yeah. example of that. So, you know, uh, unless we are uh, facing in truth uh, our true identity is not the social mask we put on, but how we feel inside, that's not going to change. And that's why part of this whole Uh, education process should be also part of social media. I think the future of education is not just information overload. We are seeing that now kids are uh, doing uh, uh, homeschooling, right? So, uh, but at some point, you can see that information overload is not education. Education, you know, I can Google anything I want these days. Education, as the word implies, edu-core, to bring out what is already at the core of a human being, creativity, insight, intuition, imagination, love, compassion, joy, empathy, creativity. Uh, this is the kind of use we can put technology to.
2: But do you worry that some of the devices, they're made, the you know, I, 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 I just interviewed Brad Smith from Microsoft and he wrote a book, uh, Weapons, uh, Tools and Weapons, which was about, you know, technology, either a tool or a weapon. And you're talking about it being a tool. Everything you've talked about so far,
3: I am, but you know, you asked me three times, do I worry, worry. (laughs) I don't worry (laughs) for you.
2: I forgot your Deepak Chopra, you
3: don't worry, I worry. It's not part of, of, uh, but I am aware that technology can be put to destructive uses. And as far as I am concerned, I am going to make sure that whatever I put out there and whoever I engage with, and any AI, AI system that I deploy has built into it ethics and morality and meaning and purpose and evolution and healing
2: yeah it's really important that what you were talking about, including artistic people and I've talked about having ethics people involved at every yes. step of this there aren't they are not there they make right. things they make things without consequential thoughts to it, like what's going to happen. Yes. So another area is of this course is biohacking and transhumanism and living forever. Um, this, these concepts have taken a hold in Silicon Valley, including mind-altering drugs, psychedelic drugs, um, big area of not just, you know, everyone can laugh about it, but some of it's really fascinating, the uses of LSD to calm down people, um, getting people off of opiates and, and things like that. But biohacking has become a really big deal and living forever, not living forever, I think that's probably too much, but it's the idea of extended life. Do you think about these things, or do you think... Because some people think you could just remove... I was talking to the writer Jeanette Winterson, and she said the body is just a temporary vessel. You could take your brain... Like She wrote a book called Frankenstein. But the idea of taking the brain and moving it somewhere else to some other vehicle um, or vessel was really interesting to me. Um, Do you think about these ideas?
3: Yes, I do, and I'm quite amused by that. (laughs) Uh, So...
2: (laughs) I'm
3: amused. It's amazing. Here's the lowdown without any uh, censorship. And, you know, what people need to understand is, at the deepest level, there's no such thing as a body or a brain, Okay. At the deepest level, what you call the body and even the brain is the interpretation of a perceptual activity in consciousness. When you say, I have a body, which one do you mean? the fertilized egg, the zygote, the embryo, the baby, the infant, the toddler, the teenager, what you're looking at in the mirror right now or what will disappear in the future, there's no such thing as the body is not a noun, it's a verb, and it changes in every second. So if you're going to do, you know, cryo-freezing, you're freezing something that is actually an anatomical structure but has nothing to do with reality. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, death and birth are built into the continuity of life. In fact, in biology, we use a term called apoptosis. Apoptosis means programmed cellular death. So your stomach cells die every five days, so you can have new ones. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to digest food. Your skin cells die once a month. Your skeleton recycles three months. The brain that you're using right now to speak the English language was not the brain that learned the English language. So all this stuff about cryosurgery and downloading information is based on a totally false construct of reality, number one. Number two, Death makes life possible. The loss of the memory of death is called cancer. When cells forget to die, they are cancer cells. They are on the quest of individual mortality at the cost of the host, which is the whole body. So anybody who's on the quest of individual immortality is fooling themselves. They are an activity of the total organism which we call the planet or the universe or whatever. So these biohackers are off their ball, uh, nuts, totally nuts, okay? <laughs> and they're all mostly male, by the way. They are, okay. I've noticed that. Uh, yeah, Deepak, uh, because... most
2: people I talk to are white men, but go ahead, yeah, move along.
3: They're, they're narcissistic, self-absorbed, egocentric uh, uh, entities uh, uh, thinking that their body is a container of awareness. The awareness cannot have a container. Awareness or consciousness doesn't have a form. Because it doesn't have a form, it can't be contained. Your body is an awareness. Awareness is not in the body. Consciousness is not in the body. The body is an experience in consciousness. The mind is an experience in consciousness. Okay, so that's one thing. So much for these immortalists and transhumanists and all these totally crazy people. Uh, They are fundamentalists. They are ideologues, just like religious fundamentalists. Now, on, on the psychedelic drugs, And this whole idea of the- Altering, mind altering, yeah.
2: Or enhancing, mind mind enhancing really.
3: Enhancing, I think there is a role for them in uh, treatment of depression, of severe anxiety uh, or chronic illness and pain and all these issues. And that we have to slowly uh, look at the research and see the role of whatever it is, whether it's ketamine or mushrooms and so on. There is a role for these things, and you're only going to get more uh, more prominent as we look into the future, including the role of uh, cannabis and CBDs and um, uh, psychedelics. And also, by the way, from the little I've uh, known about these technologies and i work with people who are in this area, they're not addictive like, uh, say, uh, alcohol is or cigarettes are. They're not addictive. So. I see a future for this in terms of uh, healing and treatment of various disorders, including chronic illness.
2: So, and you're, but it's interesting because the same people are doing one or doing the other. And I, I agree with you, the narcissism is massive in terms of, I just was meeting with someone who was talking about ridding ourselves of all senescent cells. And I'm like, but some of them are okay, like skin. I was using the example yeah. of if you don't, skin is dead. And then and it was interesting, but the concept was defeating senescence versus. Is it senescence? Sen- senescence, something, whatever. Senescence, senescence so yeah. Whatever. yeah. Yeah. So th- it was interesting, but that was the goal: was stopping it.
3: Narcissism has brought us to the brink of extinction, and these guys are perpetuating it.
2: All right, I want to, thank you for saying that. I, you are now my best friend. Um, so, finishing up, when you look at sort of the world at large, I want to end on a, a positive note, a joyful note. Um, when you are there indications, especially via technology or other ways that you're seeing some reason to hope we do have this climate crisis, which still people don't recognize as many as should, um, for example, which is an existential threat. And then we have this pandemic, which is another I'm thinking of writing a column on the idea that analog always seems to be digital no matter how you slice it in the end, um, whether it's death, whether it's pandemic, whether it's whatever. Talk about what you think the most important positive thing you see happening um, right now, from your perspective.
3: If ideas, emotions, and creativity do not respect boundaries, and our technology is showing us that, then the collective harnessing of ideas and creativity and an emotional story that moves people can transform the world. I am a big fan of what is called uh, emergence, and I think this is the way emergence happens. The emergence, emergence means a total transformation. Uh, like, for example, um, Emergence is happening in systems, in natural systems, all the time. Uh, uh, water is an emergent property of two gases that are actually inflammatory, hydrogen and oxygen. So water, which actually puts down inflammation, is an emergent property. So what I'm thinking of uh, creative emergence uh, happens, I think, when you bring together maximum diversity of skills, but also disciplines, science, technology, art, humanities, history, economics, mythology and storytellers, music and poets. You bring them all together. You have a shared vision. For me, that shared vision is a more peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier and joyful world. You connect emotionally and spiritually. You complement each other's strengths. You have a totally open, transparent feedback loop from the world and are open to even bizarre ideas. You incubate together as groups, as sanghas, either uh, online, uh, these days obviously online, but uh, at some point in retreats, and emergence happens. I've used this uh, to help myself with difficult patients. I didn't know... Uh, what the right treatment was for this patient, uh, because I was a specialist I did not know. I got the generalist together, and then, you know, we brainstormed together, and we then come up with a solution. So harnessing collective creativity, ideas, emotions, and our collective desire for a better world can shift very fast if you use Technology correctly.
2: All right. And what does, I think I'll end up with this question. What does healing now look like to you? And is this the earth's way of healing, or what what, what does healing look like?
3: The word healing is the same as the word whole. Uh, Healing, wholeness, holy uh, means all inclusive. So healing involves um, healing the physical body, healing our emotions, healing our relationships. Finding meaning and purpose in our life and transcending the fear of death. That is ultimate healing. It is the return of the memory of wholeness.
2: That is what I think I'm going to end on. That's really amazing. This has been fascinating, especially thank around you. the stuff we're talking about. Thank you for coming on the show.
3: Sure, thank you.
2: You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Deepak, where can people find you online? Everywhere, but where particularly?
3: I think the best place is uh, at Deepak Chopra uh, for Twitter and all other social media. My website is uh, deepakchopra.com.
2: All right. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. and Make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap a link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Rabe. Special thanks to Aaron Marion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And Deepak, thank you for saying that about oh, transhumanism. I really appreciate it. Thank I'll you, be back here you. on Monday. Thank you, Carla. Tune in then.
1: HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge-worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans, not robots. So you find the right thing to watch every time. With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO needs so much more. Start streaming now at hbomax.com.